Hello everyone, thank you for joining me for our time together round the Word of God. Um, we can't meet uh, uh, normally at uh, church as we would like and be together as the people of God, but thank God that we have the equipment to be able to send out messages and hopefully um, encourage you in the Word of God. We're going to look at a passage from Isaiah chapter 26 to begin with. The title for the message is Being Hidden in a Day of God's Judgment. So I wonder if you turn with me to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 26, and I'm going to read from verse 20. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyselves, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood, and shall no, no more cover her slain. In that day the Lord, with his sore and great and strong sword, shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. In that day sing ye unto her a vineyard of red wine. I, the Lord, do keep it. I will water it every moment, lest any hurt it. I will keep it night and day. Fury is not in me. Who would set the briars and thorns against me in battle? I would go through them. I would burn them together. Or let him take hold of my strength, that he may make peace with me, and he shall make peace with me. He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud, and fill the face of the world with fruit. Amen. Let's have a word of prayer, shall we, together, and then we're going to look at the word of God. Shall we pray? Dear Lord, we thank you so much that we serve the living God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we want to ask you that in this time you would speak to your people and that, Lord, you would encourage us in the things of God. We pray for an anointing upon the speaking of the word and upon the hearing of the word. We pray that, Lord, you would be gracious to us and disclose your heart to us. Lord, touch us. Move upon us. Lord, we need you in this hour. We need the living God. We confess, Lord, our need of you. And we want to ask you that you would take us up at this time to speak forth the word of God. Lord, may I speak with true faith in my heart, having the testimony of the psalmist who said, I believe, therefore I spoke. And may, Lord, it be that as we hear we hear with the hearing of faith that you would anoint our ears and that the word of God would be received, that it would be mixed with faith in those who hear, and that your name might be glorified. Oh Lord, that your name might be hallowed amongst us, that you might be lifted up, Lord, and that your people might be blessed and edified and strengthened at this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I want to look at this verse from Isaiah 
chapter 26-20 because I believe it's something that the Lord has impressed upon my own heart recently, particularly in this whole uh, situation we're in with this pandemic, with, the, with this particular virus. Um, there is a lot happening round about us and it is important in these days that we keep our eyes fixed on the Lord. Praise God, we serve a King, a God who changes not. We serve a God who is over all that's going on on the earth. His sovereign difference. And it's good for us to remember that there is no panic in heaven. That the Lord knows the end from the beginning. He understands what is happening now far more than any of us do. And the great thing is, is that nothing has taken him by surprise. Praise God that we serve the living God. He reigns. He rules. He is above the flood. He is on high. And he is trustworthy. And we can depend upon his word in these days. The Lord, dear friends, is so dependable. You can trust him. You don't need to be afraid in these days. The Lord is on high. And the glorious thing is the scriptures show us in Colossians chapter 3 that our lives are hid with Christ in God. The book of Ephesians shows us that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm speaking to you now from my living room. I've got the camera on me and uh, I'm sharing with you the word of God from in, in the sitting room. But really my position is seated with Christ in heavenly places, as is yours. Every one of us born again of the Spirit of God. We're seated with the Lord now. I remember a wonderful story that I once heard Lance Lambert give about T. Austin Sparks. He was a, when he was a young man. And uh, as a young man, he, he went to the office of a famous preacher called F.B. Meyer. And he went into the office to wait for this servant of God who was upstairs. And as he waited in the office, he saw a plaque which said, Look down. Look down. And he thought it was rather odd. And he said to himself, Surely that plaque should say, Look up. We should be looking up, not looking down. Anyway, as he contemplated this particular uh, plaque, the servant of God, F.B. Meyer, came through the door and he saw that um, T. Austin Sparks was confused, as any of us would be. Why does it say, look down? F.B. Meyer said to him, you're confused by that, aren't you? And T. Austin Sparks said, yes, surely, surely the plaque should say, look up. And F.B. Meyer said, well, it is all a matter of where you are looking and viewing things from. If you're viewing things from the vantage point of the heavenly places, you're looking down, you're looking from above, you're seeing everything from the Lord's perspective, which is above and not below. I thought that was a really good statement. And dear friends, however high the floods reach up, remember the Lord on high is mightier, mightier than the noise of many waters, and his position is eternally secure as being over all. I think it's important for us to realise that in these days. Very well. Coming to this particular verse of Scripture, we read 
this invitation that the Lord gives to his people in a day of indignation. He says, Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyselves, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be past. Well, notice that statement, hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment. It's only going to be for a short time. Sometimes when we have to wait in hiding, things seem like a very long time. But in the light of eternity, it's a short time. It's not going to be for a long time. And so the Lord gives this wonderful invitation to the people of God to hide in a day when his judgments are going to come out upon the earth. It's good for us to know what season we are in with the Lord, isn't it? You know, there are times when the Lord calls us to make a stand, to stand before men, declaring the word of God unflinchingly, um, to make a stand in a situation. There are times when we have to do that. And there are other times when the Lord shows us that we need to hide ourselves away. Um, a prime example of this, of course, is Elijah, who was called by God to stand before King Ahab and declare the word of judgment against the king because of the idolatry and the wickedness that he had got into and the nation with him. But then after he had been told to declare that word, the Lord then comes to Elijah and speaks to him to hide by the brook Cherith. And there's a time when Elijah had to hide. There was a time when he had to be out before the king. But there was another time where he had to learn to hide. And we need to know where we are with the Lord. We need the wisdom of God in every situation, don't we? And it seems to me, it's almost like that we're in a season where the Lord would say to us, Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers, and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment, until the indignation be overpassed. The word indignation in the scriptures, it, um, from the Hebrew, it means, speaks of anger, particularly the wrath of God. And um, it speaks of the punishment of the Lord upon iniquity. And we go on to read about that a little bit more in verse 21. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth, for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood, and shall no more cover her slain. So here the Lord is bringing this wonderful invitation for the people of God to hide themselves in a day of his anger. And you know, this is a pattern that repeats itself throughout the word of God. In the little devotional I sent out, I mentioned about Noah, and how the Lord provided for Noah in a day of his judgment. And this is something we need to realize with the Lord. He is a God who preserves his people in a day when his displeasure is expressed on the earth. You know, we, we, we need to realize this, dear friends, because we can see something of the Lord's displeasure. We can see him shaking things. We can see things uh, that look so stable being moved. And that will increase in the days ahead. Um, the Lord has got a controversy with the nations that have rebelled against him and, and turned from his ways. And we can see some of these things happening. And as the Lord's people, we can allow fear to come into our hearts. And we can begin to think, what of me? But dear brothers and sisters, what we need to realise is that 
when the Lord judges the nations, his place of provision in the Lord Jesus shows us that his love for his people hasn't changed. And when we think of Noah, a man who in the day of the Lord's judgment found refuge, surely we can take encouragement from these things. Another example in the Word of God that I didn't mention in the devotional was the time when the Lord um, was shaking Egypt, particularly Pharaoh, to loose the people from under Pharaoh's authority and to bring them out in order that they might serve the Lord and enter the land of promise that he had for them. And we find within that passage in uh, Exodus chapter 12, something quite significant about a judgment that the Lord sent. Um, it was actually what he called a plague upon the people of Egypt. Um, and I want us to turn to that particular passage just to see um, how the Lord has a hiding place for his people even in a day of his judgment. So please turn with me to Exodus chapter 12, please. Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. And just to give context, I want to um, take it from verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take of them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbour next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. And the scriptures go on to show us exactly what they were to do with that particular lamb. And if we go a bit further down, and down to verse uh, 12, we read this. The reason why the Lord wanted them to take this lamb and to prepare it was because, in verse 12, For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the house where ye are. And when I see the blood... I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. In the scriptures here, the Lord shows in verse 7 that they were to take the blood and strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door posts of the house where they were to eat. And they were to um, Eat of the lamb, put the blood on the doorposts and lintels. And the Lord says to the people of Israel that when he comes to judge Egypt, he will pass over their houses and not strike them. Remember, this is the judgment of the firstborn. The Lord's going to um, slay all the firstborn in Egypt because they would not let the people go. Pharaoh would not release 
the people of Israel. And the Lord brings judgment upon judgment. And we have this final plague in Exodus chapter 12. But it's very significant also that in this passage we, we read in verse 21 and 22 something also significant concerning what the elders of Israel were to do. In verse 21 we read, Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. Notice, in similar fashion to what we read in Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 20 about shutting our doors, hiding away. We have the same sort of illustration mentioned here when the, uh, the Lord speaks through Moses to the elders that they, none of them were to go out of, their door, out of the door of their house until the morning. In other words, until the indignation had passed. Again, this is a judgment that the Lord is sending on the world, so to speak, because Egypt is a picture for us of, of the world. Pharaoh, a picture of the uh, Satan himself. So, we see the same sort of terminology here as we saw in Isaiah chapter 26. And they were to staying and the Lord would pass over. Very often we think with this particular passage as though it's the enemy passing over Egypt and the blood on the doors would protect the Israelites from the enemy passing over them. And unfortunately, we have got a teaching that has come up out of this, whereby there's a very heavy emphasis on the blood protecting us from the enemy. Now it is true within the Word of God. We read it in the book of Revelation concerning the saints of God, that they overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives to the death. However, the context of this passage is not the blood protecting the people of God from the enemy, it's the blood on the doors protecting the people of God from the judgment of God. And I think that's the primary um, way we need to see the blood, is, is that the blood here, which speaks to us, of course, of our sacrificial lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ, whose blood was spilt for us. The blood of Christ protects us primarily from the wrath of God and from God's judgment. And when the blood is applied to the life of the believer, to the doors and lintels of his heart, so to speak, that blood protects the believer from the wrath of God. He is no longer under that wrath anymore. Now isn't that a wonderful thing, friends, for us to consider for a moment, if you will? We're not under the wrath of God. If we're truly born again of the Spirit, we've been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that blood has cleansed us from all our sins. And the blood avails for us 
before a righteous God who is worthy to be praised. Thank God, dear friends, that the blood avails for us and that blood speaks to us of better things than that of Abel, we read in the book of Hebrews. The blood of righteous Abel cried out from the ground and it resulted in Cain's judgment. Christ's blood cried out from the ground and resulted in your justification. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Isn't it a good thing that we know the living God in these days? In these days when God's judgment is going to be upon the earth. In these days when the Lord will begin to show forth his displeasure over the wickedness and godlessness and sinfulness that is all about us. Thank God we have a righteous God. Which one of us would really want a God who didn't uh, really care about wickedness? Where would we be? Thank God we have one who is absolutely righteous and holy and will deal with sin. But thank God that we have a Saviour who took our sin upon himself and the Lord Jesus was uh, faced the wrath of God on the cross that we need never face it. And the truth of the matter is, brothers and sisters, when we're born again of the Spirit, the blood applied, we're placed into the Lord Jesus. We're in Him. We're told in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, that we're chosen in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. That's the Lord's purpose for us. To, he wants us to be a people that are before Him in love. And He has redeemed us and ransomed us and cleansed us and healed us that we need never know the wrath of God upon us. Wonderful, isn't it? There's a verse of Scripture in the book of Romans. I want to turn to it quickly. Book of Romans, chapter 5, that I think will encourage your hearts. Book of Romans chapter 5, and we'll read from verse 8. Romans 5, and verse 8. But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath. Through him. There we have it, you see, brothers and sisters. That blood protects us from the wrath to come. Now it is true that the Lord disciplines his, his people. The Lord chastens those he loves. We, we read of this in the book of Hebrews. But what we need to realise is that even when the Lord's disciplining us, it's because he loves us. What father will not be diligent to discipline his child that he loves? We need to realise that the Lord is like that with us when he disciplines us, when he chastens us, when he corrects us, when he shows us things in our lives that's not right. It doesn't mean that we are suddenly not justified in his sight anymore. It means that the Lord's showing us that we're real children in his family and his heart is towards us. Well, friends, looking back again at this passage in the book of Exodus, and chapter 12, the Lord goes on to say in verse 23, For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians, 
And when he seeth the blood upon the lintels and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. See, this is a wonderful thing. The Lord makes a distinction here between the people of God and the Egyptians. In fact, this is exactly what the scriptures say in the previous chapter, chapter 11, and we read of, uh, from verse 5, And all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon the, his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was not like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that ye may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. Marvellous, isn't it? The Lord knows how to protect his people. The Lord knows how to um, shield us in a day of his judgment. He wants us to learn to hide in him. Now it doesn't mean, dear friends, that in these days that there won't be any Christians in our country that won't get the coronavirus. Nor does it mean that if a Christian gets the coronavirus that the Lord is somehow against them. We are not saying that. But what we're saying is there's a place of hiding in the Lord in these days whereby the Lord is going to preserve our souls. The Lord's going to keep us from uh, uh, coming, as it were, into the Lord's judgments. The Lord knows how to preserve his own, how to keep us, and how to bring us on with him in a day where he's hiding us. Well, I want us to get back, if we would, to um, Exodus chapter 26. Sorry, not Exodus, Isaiah chapter 26. Because there's some more verses here that I just want us to consider um, in this passage. When chapter 26 ends, we, we have the start of a new chapter in, 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 in the scriptures. But remember, the chapter divisions aren't originally in the Hebrew. It just continually goes on from the previous passage. And in chapter 27, verse 1, we read, In that day the Lord with his sore and great and strong sword shall punish Leviathan, the piercing serpent, even Leviathan, that crooked serpent, and he shall slay the dragon that is in the sea. These scriptures that I'm mentioning to you from Isaiah also speak of days yet to come. They speak of um, the end times and certainly something of the day of the Lord that is yet to come. But in this particular passage, it speaks about dealing with the crooked serpent the slaying of the dragon, speaks to us here something of the Lord dealing with the enemy, uh, Satan himself certainly, and uh, those that he would use. But we realise that the Lord is the one that deals with him. Now this is good for us to realise, friends, that actually at Calvary, the work of salvation was completed and the powers of darkness were stripped, according to what the scriptures say in Colossians. The Lord dealt with them. And in a sense, although the victory hasn't been realised entirely in the earth yet, that will happen when the Lord Jesus comes again. The truth of the matter is that the victory has already been won. And it will one day be fully realised. It is, always, it is already realised in heaven. 
but it shall be realized upon the earth, and the Lord shall come back, and Satan shall be bound for a thousand years. And the Lord will deal with all of the demonic powers that are behind Satan as well. Thank God the Lord is in control of everything. And while the enemy would use all that's happening around to disturb and distract and cause trouble, let us remember that the person that we need to keep our eyes on is the Lord, who is in complete control of everything. Well, let's look at verse 2. In that day sing ye unto her a vineyard of red wine. A vineyard of red wine. A number of times in the word of God, the people of Israel are called a vineyard. You find that in Isaiah chapter 5. You also find it again in Psalm um, 80. The people of Israel are called a vineyard. And really, we can include ourselves in on this, that the Lord wants us as the people of God, as the church also, to, to know what it is to be something of his vineyard. So these verses speak primarily of the people of Israel, but also I believe it speaks to us of the church too. And we read in this verse that the, here is a vineyard mention of red wine, something that's choice, the best wine. And we read in verse 3, I the Lord do keep it, I will water it every moment, lest any hurt it, I will keep it night and day. Now when we think of how this verse, how the Lord speaks in this verse, so tenderly, so gently, so lovingly. Isn't it a beautiful uh, start to chapter 27, verse 3? I will water it at every moment. The Lord speaks so caringly over his vineyard. And it's so good for us to remember that even though his indignations and judgments will be in the earth, the Lord has tender loving care for those who are walking in covenant relationship with him. We must never lose sight of this, friends. Um, goes on to say, Fury is not in me. Who would set the briars and thorns against me in battle? I would go through them, I would burn them, them together. Or let him take hold of my strength, that he may make peace with me, and he shall make peace with me. He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud, and fill the face of the world with fruit. Wonderful verses of scripture these aren't aren't they and we just want to unpack pack them for a little while look at verse 3 I the Lord do keep it the Lord is our keeper now this word keep means to watch to guard and protect remember in the previous chapter the Lord had already shown his people to hide themselves in a day of indignation this shows that the Lord is making provision for his own he's caring for them he's watching over them and here we have something of the Lord's heart towards them expressed more um, in detail. I, the Lord, do keep them. The Lord guards, he protects, and he preserves. Even in a day when there's been much turmoil and difficulty, we need to remember the Lord is our keeper. Then he goes on to say, I will water it every moment, lest any hurt it. Water here from the Hebrew means to give drink to furnish drink, to irrigate. And the Lord's going to do this work continually, every moment. What a wonderful thing it is, dear friends, to be part of the people of God, to be part of his vineyard. 
You know, the Lord is in the business of irrigating those dry areas in our lives. He knows when we're going dry. He knows when we're finding things hard. And he knows how to water us. He knows how to pour his spirit upon us and refresh us and renew us that we may walk more readily with him. That we may grow, to keep with the analogy of the vineyard, to be pleasant in his sight, to be a vineyard that is pleasing unto him. The Lord does the watering and the watching over. It's a marvellous thing, isn't it? And we can know what it is to be filled with the Spirit of God. We can know what it is to be tended by the great, um, uh, the, the one who watches over his vineyard. Wonderful picture here. And then we go on to read, I will keep it night and day. Now the night in scripture can speak of a day of adversity and trouble. And the Lord knows how to preserve us in a day of trouble. He knows how to um, meet with us, how to keep us. The word keep in this second part of verse 3 is the same Hebrew word at the beginning of verse 3, to keep it. And the Lord will keep it at night. Isn't that a wonderful thing? The Lord will keep us in a time of difficulty. And in night and day. And the day can speak of that which is hot. And dear brothers and sisters, it's true, isn't it? That at times it feels like the sun may be beating down upon us. But let us remember um, that actually the Lord is able to water us when the heat is upon our back, so to speak. And is able to keep us going in these days. Something that we must take hold of and remember. Then we go on to read a very interesting verse. Verse 4. Fury is not in me. Fury is not in me. Now what an amazing statement that is. When you consider that in, in the previous chapter we've seen God speaking of his indignation. But now we're seeing God speaking of having no fury in him. No anger. The word fury from the Hebrew here speaks very often of the Lord's anger. And he's saying, there is no fury in me. And dear friends, this is so true for the people of God. The Lord Jesus took the fury of God upon himself, upon the cross. And those who are hidden in the Lord Jesus, the Lord has no fury for us. For those abiding in him, for those dwelling in the Son. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. There's fury for those that are rebelled and those that turn their backs on God, sadly. But thank God for those who know him and are walking in covenant with him. There is a place of hiding and protection. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Then we go on to read. Um, that I want to go on to just look specifically at verse 6. He shall cause them that come of Jacob... To take root. He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. How do any of us take root in the vineyard of God? It's the Lord that does the work. We're the planting of the Lord. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted, planted by streams of water. The Lord does the planting. The Lord does the planting. 
and he's the one that does the preserving as well. Blessed be his name. After the law plant, there's a, there's a blooming, and there's a budding, and there's a filling. This is the marvellous thing. When the Lord does the work, when he's the one who's done the planting, when he's the one that's done the rooting of us in Christ, he produces such fruit. It is such a blessing, isn't it, to realise. Israel shall blossom. You know, in a day where there's been so much around us of difficulty, in a day when we've had to hide, let's realise the Lord can make us to blossom in him. The Lord can make us to bud. The Lord can make us to know fullness. Speaks here about filling the face of the well with fruit. This is a wonderful product of the Lord's work in the life of the believer. There's a blossoming, there's a budding, and there's a filling. It's a testimony to the fact that the Lord is the great husbandman, the one who tends his vineyard. Blessed be the Lord. So, dear friends, I want to encourage you this day. The Lord has a controversy with the nations. But for those who are walking in covenant with him, those that are seeking his face, those that set their heart toward God, the Lord has a hiding place for us. The person of the Lord Jesus. Let us be those that realise this, friends. God has not appointed us unto wrath. Those who are born again of the Spirit of God, we are not heading towards the wrath of God because we are hidden in the Son. And the Son took the wrath for us when he died for us on the cross and bore our sins that we may never know the judgment of God. And you can be sure for those abiding in the Lord Jesus, God the Father will never vent his wrath upon his Son a second time. In fact, when you look back at a time where Moses went before the people of Israel. The scriptures say that he struck the rock twice in order that water may gush out of the rock for the people that were moaning for the fact that they had no water. And the Lord told Moses that he couldn't come into the land, lead the people into the land at that point, because he'd struck the rock twice, which spoiled the typology, for that rock is Christ, according to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10. And that rock was only meant to be struck once. Jesus was only going to be struck once. In fact, the Lord told Moses to speak to the rock. But striking the rock twice went beyond what God the Father would do to his Son in order that we might be redeemed. Only once did God bring his judgment upon his Son. And for all those who are in the Lord Jesus, friends, it's a wonderful truth. We're preserved from the wrath to come. This is what the scriptures say in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10. I'm going to finish with these verses. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10. 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 10. The scriptures speak and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 9, we read these words. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 9. 
For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. We've not been appointed to wrath, but to the obtaining of salvation. Dear friends, the Lord Jesus is our hiding place. For those who abide in him, even though there be indignation from God all over the world, the believer in Christ can have the testimony, there is no fury in the Lord for him. He is hidden, he is preserved, he is protected. Hide yourself in the Lord Jesus, friends. Know that the Lord is with us and will keep us. Let us be those that fear not in these days. Yes, God must judge. Yes, the Lord will shape things much further in days, months, years to come. But for the one in Christ who abides in covenant, there is no fury of the Lord for them. The indignation may be about, but hide yourself in the Lord. Praise God, we have a great salvation and we do not need to fear, for our lives are hid with Christ in God. Praise be unto the Lord. In Jesus' name, may the Lord bless you. Amen.